you've heard me say before, like, I think it's those moments yes. that are, for me, one of the most divine things that yes. I've ever experienced, right? Yes. Those those moments of of connection that are otherworldly, yes. that, uh, that stop time. Yeah. Welcome to the People People Podcast. Podcast. We're on a mission to spread human connection. Hi, welcome to the People People Podcast. I'm Matt Matson, your host. I'm so glad you're with us today. Thanks for listening to this episode. Of course, the People People Podcast is a production of the Social Excellence Project. As always, you can learn all about us at social-excellence.com or peoplepeoplepodcast.com. Both those things take you to the same place. So glad you're with us today. Hey, we got a special conversation, a powerful conversation, a conversation that was both intellectual and meaningful and real and a little bit funny, but mostly kind of deep zone stuff. So I'm talking with a pastor, Pastor Justin Spurlock. He's the senior pastor at Grace Presbyterian Church in Highlands Ranch, Colorado. It's out by where I live here in Colorado. And Justin's a buddy of mine. And as I'll explain in the podcast episode that, you know, Justin's just one of those guys who was able to have conversations with me that went beyond surface level. And man, I cherish that. I think that's so much about what social excellence aims for. You know you're doing social excellence when you're below the surface, when you're out of the middle, right? When you're in the fun zone or the deep zone. And my conversations with Justin go to the fun zone and the deep zone all the time. I remember we had a conversation on an airplane ride one time where I think we were talking so loud on this late night airplane ride that people probably hated us on the airplane, but we did not care because we were so into this like heavy, real conversation. It was funny. It was big. It was little. It was all the things, man. And conversations like that, there aren't enough of them in our life. And I know you're out there. I know you're out there trying. I know you're out there shaking hands, having conversations, building relationships, collaborating and organizing. You're out there trying to change the world through people because you're one of us. You're a people people, right? Anyway, thanks for joining us on the podcast episode today. You're going to hear from me and Justin Spurlock. We did the interview over at his office. Enjoy the interview. Enjoy the conversation. And hopefully it inspires you to go out and have conversations about things that really matter deeply to you. You know, our topic is really, why don't people talk about faith when it's so important to them? You know, there are sort of these three things that you should never talk about, right? Religion, sex, and politics. I don't think that's right. I think these things are pretty important to all of us in so many different ways, and we should find ways to talk about them, especially faith, especially spirituality. Because all of us have this different take on what we believe, and what we believe is so core to who we are. Shouldn't we be able to talk about it? Shouldn't this be the thing that maybe we talk about more often than not, and not just talk about at funerals? Anyway, that's where Justin and I go in this conversation. I hope you enjoy the ride. Uh, This is Justin Spurlock, and me and you are listening to the People People Podcast. Welcome to the People People Podcast. This is Matt Matson, your host. I'm sitting in a church right now. I'm sitting in the office of the Reverend Justin Spurlock. <laughs> so Justin's my buddy. We've known each other for, I don't know, a handful of years uh-huh. now. And uh, uh, we get to do some projects together. We get to play yes. around with each other. I don't know what your official title is. You could say it out loud, but yeah. he's in charge around here at Grace Presbyterian Church That's in right. Highlands Ranch. Are we in Highlands Ranch? We're right? in Highlands Ranch. So what's your yeah. official title? Is Senior it? pastor, 
Grace Presbyterian Church, and I think that's the first time you've ever called me Reverend. Yeah, I'm pretty yeah. sure it is. Yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah, I'm not sure I believed it when I said it. <laughs> right. Uh, so uh, <laughs> Justin and I, maybe one of the reasons that I developed a friendship with Justin was because I was able to talk about sort of what I believed or didn't believe yes. openly, and you irreverently, irreverently, uh-huh. and somewhat inappropriately played along with me yes. and pushed back and like we got into it and I just yes. fell in love with those conversations. Those right. conversations were fantastic. Yeah. Uh, is that how it is with everybody? Do you just say I swear, try to do that. You say swear words to everybody? Is that most people? Yeah. Yeah. It, part of it for me is that holiness has to be treated unholy. Mm. And that's kind of a contradiction for most people, but we are so uncomfortable talking about God, the sacred any of those things, partly because it's personal and private for us. And we see what happens when it goes public and goes out there in conversations with people. People get mad and angry and all those sort of things. But when it comes down to ourselves, the only way to approach these things is to talk about it from a common place, a profane place even, you know, because that's really where we experience God is in everyday mess of life. Right. Like yeah. it was rarely in a moment where you're like, so I'm going to go around to these holy, moral, upright, more righteous than me people and somehow talk about God in a personal way. That that's like God in a box, God yeah. in a computer, right? Like that's crazy. You know, anytime anytime I think about faith or spirituality or anything, I I'm just I'm always baffled by it seems like such an important part of so many people's lives, right? right. At, at varying levels, it's a part of almost everyone's life to yes. their own definition, to their own extent. Yep. And it's never anything that we just bring up right. in polite company, right? Yeah. I mean, you said it's a private thing. Is it a yes. private thing? I, well, it, it's an intimate thing, uh, I think, is the more important part of it, right? Like, w- the way we interact with the sacred, the spiritual, the divine, whatever you want to call it, is something that hits us on a real level, the real me, right? Not just the projected me that most of the world gets, right? It's where I feel about myself, the world, problems, all those sort of things that's mixed up with all of my crazy anxieties and fears, as well as this deep sense of pride and joy and beauty and and all these things that are all wrapped up in one. And oftentimes we are uh, we we might like just crazily laugh in the middle of a sunset by ourselves or just bawl our eyes out, right? All all in the same 10-minute period because that's what spiritual and sacred looks like, mm-hmm. right? And we don't want to share that with hardly anybody. Mm-hmm. Most of us don't even do that with our spouses, let alone anybody else, right? Yeah. So it's pretty scary. Yeah, I, I think. I don't know. I, I don't always think of my work when, when we're teaching social excellence, right? Mm-hmm. When we're working with people on social excellence or speaking on a stage, I don't normally think of it as spiritual work. Sure. But I think, you know, what I'm trying to push people to are these deep moments of powerful interpersonal yes. connection, right? Right. I, I've said, you've heard me say before, like, I think it's those moments yes. that are, for me, one of the most divine things that yes. I've ever experienced, right? Yes. Those Those moments of of connection that are otherworldly, yes. that, uh, that stop time. Yes. Um, well, it, and the, theologians would call that inspiration, yeah. right? And not just in the casual way we throw around that word. We would mean that deep sense of the divine breathing in 
to you, yeah. right? Now, people get all weirded out by that because they go, well, what do you mean by that? And is God, you know, God speaking through you? And is that all that truth and blah? And if you push aside some of those religious questions and just dwell in the moment of feeling and experiencing inspiration, then the the dogmatic questions disappear and you start going, I want that. Like it's almost like a drug. I want that yeah. experience a lot in yeah. my life, right? Yeah, yeah. So that I love that you differentiated between sort of dogma, mm-hmm. right? Sort of the way I understand that rules yes. and regulations and the mm-hmm. way to live your life, and this mystery. Yes, right? like the right. difference between dogma and mystery. Yes, I'll tell you, I hunt mystery. The reason I right. go to church, the reason I, the reason I read books on every spiritual manifestation I can imagine is. Right. I'm hunting that mystery. Yes. There's something so addictive yeah, about exactly. looking for it. Yeah. Understanding. But see, that's partly a shift that's taken place in humanity in just the last few hundred years, right? Like we now live in a scientific age where knowledge is something that can be found, mm-hmm. right? Like we can go out and go, oh, this is how rain works, right? This yeah. is how my body works. Almost infinite amount of information about stuff, whereas previous generations of human beings did not have that knowledge. And so what they created in the modern era was religion that provided answers. Yes. Right? Because people desperately wanted answers. We live in a world full of answers, sometimes contradictory answers, but lots of information. And what we are looking for is to explore the things that are unexplorable by science and reason and, and all those things, the things that we can't explain. Yeah. Right? Without going too far down that rabbit hole, because I really want to, but maybe we'll mm-hmm. come back to it. Yeah. Talk to me about, as a pastor, Yes. right? That comes with probably power and permission sure. oh, yeah. uh, to engage with people, but right. also baggage, right? Like, oh, yeah. How does it work for you to engage in real ways yes. with regular people? Right. Uh, maybe because you're a pastor or despite right. you're a pastor. Yes, right. Well, here's a great example. You know, when I sit down for a haircut, yeah. Right? You know, whoever's doing your hair is yeah. going to have a conversation with you, yeah. right? And the first question they're going to ask you is, so what do you do? Yeah. Right? Well, I'm a pastor. <laughs> well, I mean, that conversation can go one of two ways. Either yeah. one, it's, oh, wow, well, you know, let me either dump my problems on you because I'm a pseudo-counselor, essentially, right? Yeah. Or let me ask you all the biggest questions I've ever had about <laughs> God, the Bible, religion, spirit, you know, all of that. Or it can go with just a tremendous amount of tension because that person has had a really bad experience with a pastor or organized religion, a church, a family growing up with religion and morality, all those sort of things. And that gets projected on me, right? And they want me to answer for all of institutional religions, abuses and problems, yes. right? Yeah. And that's the hard part. And the, the first thing I do with people with that is, you know, obviously I'm trying to get to, I'm not like them, right? And how do I prove that? Mm-hmm. And realize very quickly, one, I cannot do that. But what I can do is say, I am sorry, mm-hmm. right? Like, you even though, even though I have nothing to do with it, like, just look at someone and say, I am sorry. Like, forgive people like me. Yeah. Because that is not what we want to be doing. Do you really do that? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. More often than you would imagine. Really? Yeah. Yeah. And it's one of those things where just even though I am completely distant from their situation, to hear someone in my place and position and power 
say that to them can be pretty powerful. Well, today to hear anybody say yeah. I'm sorry is a right. pretty big deal. Right. And, and well, and you take you take the the Me Too movement that's going on yeah. right now, which is a very powerful movement. Part of the reason for the power of that is that it does involve all of these powers and positions and privileges of people like me who are white, straight, educated males who have abused their position and power in life, Mm -hmm. right? And so over and over again, I hear these men get up on TV and the one thing they need to do from beginning to end is just say, I am sorry, Yeah. right? And we need to hear more of that. Yeah. So. It's so powerful just to imagine you sitting in a like a supercuts or wherever yeah, you go to get exactly, your hair. Right, it's yeah. a better haircut. Floyd's, than that. yeah, Floyd's, yeah, yeah, nice, nice place like that. Uh-huh. Uh And just really just pausing and just saying, yes. "I'm sorry." I'm sorry. Yeah. Do you ever get tired of the yes the heaviness? I yes. gotta believe people bring right. like ten times heavier conversations yeah. to you than they do to me. Oh yeah, and this is the, the dilemma I get put on when I sit down on an airplane, mm-hmm. right? If the person next to you is chatty and looks at you, yeah, eventually in the first five minutes, they're going to ask me that question. Yeah. And I have to decide whether I'm going to tell them that I am a pastor or I work at a nonprofit or I do marketing for my wife's business, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Because I might turn into a four and a half hour heavy conversation where I was hoping to sleep, read, rest, veg out and watch a movie. Like yeah. it's... It's kind of a big deal to put that out in the world. Yeah. And sometimes, oftentimes, I I get in way too deep for people in that that's not what I was hoping for yeah, right. for the day, right? So what's the other side of that? I mean, you got this, you've got you're the head pastor at a mm-hmm. senior pastor at a local church, mm-hmm. um, a growing, thriving church. Yep. You've got all these folks, right, of mm-hmm. diverse age ranges yes. and come from all sorts of backgrounds. Yep. And they show up here every Sunday. Yes. And you get something that I think, I, I could be assuming wrongly here, mm-hmm. but you get something that so many other people crave and have yes. zero access to in their life. And that is people want to actually connect with you, to yes. actually hear from you, to right. actually like be yes. loved by you, yes. right? Right. Yeah, I think that's the big part is that one, it's such a, a huge privilege to be in the position that I am in, right? Like I, in many ways, get to mediate God in the spiritual realm for people, yeah. right? And the reality is it comes with great responsibility because what I say, oftentimes people will take as, in quote unquote, gospel yeah. truth, yeah. right? What I say about the Bible, what I interpret uh, some sort of theological thing to be, they assume that I'm the authority and that I'm right. Now, I mean, there's obviously lots of questioning and doubts and all those sort of things that get wrapped up into that. But the massive responsibility is to speak into the longings and losses that people have in their lives, Mm -hmm. right? Like, I mean, I could talk about God in a very intellectual Mm -hmm. way all day long. That doesn't do anyone any good. Mm -hmm. I could pontificate about the various theories and interpretations of a particular scripture text in the Old or New Testaments or anything like that. And I could have a really fun conversation or even a fun lecture but have I done any good? Have I spoken into people's real lives? And so what I find myself talking about the most is the mess, the beautiful mess of being human beings and that God works in us, through us, with us in that beautiful mess, right? I talk about myself as that beautiful mess, right? And I think it's really great for people to hear their religious 
idealist essentially in their life talk about themselves from that sense of frailty, from that sense of frenzy, from that sense of I am in need of grace. Right. So, you know, we talk about vulnerability a lot. We're not the only people in the world who talk about the power of vulnerability. I know you right. understand it and yep. you, you understand it as a preacher. You yes. understand it in the way that you connect with people. But that phrase, longings and losses that yes. you used earlier, you you taught that phrase to me years yes. ago and yeah. it's really stuck with me. And yeah. as I think about like, this is what drives all of us, right? right? This is what all of us yes. uh, show up to a church for, but yes. also why people join groups. Yes. It's why people feel lonely and purposeless. Right. Yes. Why people quit jobs, yes. right? Like Because we are driven by these longings and these losses that yes. we have that, again, often don't get talked about, right? right? Yeah, and I think that's the part. Like We go around with facades and our armor up trying to make sure people don't encounter our longings and losses yeah, yeah. when it's the number one thing that we're all hoping for in our friendships, partnerships in the world, right? We just, we really want someone to see us beauty and mess, right? Hopes and dreams and pain points and all of those things, right? Do you have a story that comes to your mind of like this, mm. this moment of you being seen or you felt like right. somebody was seen by you because of yes, that. yeah. So um, you know, one of one of the things that a lot of people don't necessarily know about me is that I grew up in a very Christian fundamentalist community. Yeah. A lot of people in my life would describe it as cult like, if not a full on cult. I wouldn't necessarily describe it that way because I had some good experiences in it as well. But yeah, it was a little crazy yeah. and, and pretty fundamentalist and. I came with a lot of baggage, lost spiritual and religious baggage, maybe even abuse, even in the midst of some of all of that. And when I moved to Fresno, California over 10 years ago now, I got a job as the youth pastor at a church. And my boss and friend and mentor, uh, Chris Erdman, took me under his wing, right? And one of the first things he did was take my wife and I wine tasting, which mm. for a Christian fundamentalist is not necessarily. <laughs> The thing that you grow up doing and associate with doing with your pastor, right? And I remember on the drive back, him just processing with me my past, mm. my story. And in that conversation, uh, where I was probably pretty buzzed at this point, yeah. right? And the good thing about it was my guard was down, yeah. right? And I got real about myself and the mess of who Justin Spurlock is. And in a two-hour car ride in Central California, in the middle of the more lesser-known wine country of California, a lot of Justin Spurlock got put back together mm. just over some wine and, yeah. and a car ride. And a car ride. Right? And car rides. Yeah. That is something we right? don't talk about as a powerful tool enough. Huge. Car rides are so powerful, yes, man. Yes, right? Well, in, here's where most people encounter the car ride and the power of it is with their kids, yeah. right? When you're sitting in a car with kids, it is an opportunity sometimes to have some pretty awesome peer-level conversations with your kids, mm -hmm. right? Like, And I'm not saying that parents should be friends with their kids all the time, but this is a moment where you can engage on a friendship level with yeah. your kids and have some fun and powerful conversations yeah. with them. Yeah. Yeah, there's something about car rides yes. as a as a parent, yes. especially long car rides. When you do the road trip, yep. there there comes a point when the iPads are turned off yep. and 
like everybody's just bored. So you start playing a game and the game turns into this weird conversation. It yep. turns into this like real moment right. that you can't get in anywhere else. Anywhere else, right. right? Yeah. But also like with with friends or the, you know, sort of the classic buddy so, road trip yes. or the with parents. Like yes. I think about with parents growing up. Oh like, yeah. Our long road trips. Oh. Beautiful conversations. Yeah. Yeah. That's the part. You know, when we think about road trips, the road trip itself is the fun part. Usually whatever happens in the destination is a, a drunken fest that we all like, oh, yeah. I can't believe we did it all that yeah. last night, right? And the powerful part was actually the the journey. Yeah. It, we were talking about this earlier, but it makes me think about sort of where does church, quote unquote, church happen? Yes. Where, does, where yeah. do divine experiences right. happen? Yes. Where are sacred spaces yes. that, uh, you know, maybe there's maybe a car, a long car ride yes. with you and a buddy is... One of the most sacred spaces. Yeah, it can be the powerful sacred space, right? Well, and I think that's just a big thing that has changed in human civilization and religion and in church life is that, you know, going back even just a few decades ago, through many centuries and millennia, religious people like myself literally mediated between heaven and earth, right? And I would even say heaven, earth, and the underworld, right? And what we said about you and your life and your destination or final destination basically dictated what people thought about you, right? You were a good person or a bad person in or out, going to heaven or hell, essentially, based on what someone like myself said, right? Yeah. 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 And whether you did or not, everyone else in your life thought that the religious leader was right, right? Whereas today, there's more of a general consensus than people realize about the divine or the sacred God, whatever you want to call this, then people realize because most people will talk about encountering something like that at a waterfall, at the birth of their baby, on a mountain, at a sunset, uh, you know, all these different things. We know that the divine is everywhere in all sorts of different places. And where it also comes into play is in that lost side of When there's an earthquake or a hurricane or a fire or a car accident or whatever it might be, right? And the question that people ask is, where is God right now in the midst of my tragedy, right? And my answer as a pastor, my answer as a theologian, and the answer of many theologians and pastors and religious leaders today is, God is suffering with you in the midst of the situation which is not the answer that people gave to that question 30 years ago or 300 years ago or 3,000 years ago. The answer used to be that maybe you did something bad and God caused that to happen to you, right? And now the answer to that is no, God is here. God loves you. God is going, this is a tragedy and is experiencing it with you. Now, that's not the same kind of answer, right? That's not the kind of God who can then swoop in like Superman and solve the situation, though, either, right? But it's certainly a more human-like God that we we somehow on an intuitive level sense is better than the defined deities of the past. This takes me back to, I guess, the thesis of the question of yes. this podcast, right? Yeah. Like, if the only time you ask, why isn't God here, is when an earthquake hits or when right. lightning strikes in your life or whatever yes. happens. Yep. Like, what, what, like that, 
why? I, why would you expect to access the divine? If, if you right. believe in the divine, why would you expect to access it in only times of pain yes. if you're not open to yes. accessing deeper meaning? And it, yes. like, you know me, like when, when I'm talking about the divine, I'm, I'm talking about just this sort of, mm-hmm. this other vibe, right? Yeah, like this precisely. other- this yeah. other level of yeah. humanity yep. of feeling, right? You got to uh, access that in conversation. Access yes. that it, at work at the water cooler. Access yes. that while you're driving down the road instead, yes. instead of flipping the bird to that guy. Like, right. like access that at the coffee shop. Access that yeah. with your kids when they're yes. crazy, right? You got I it. I don't know. The, That's the part. If, if, yeah. if we can, if we can make, if we can make it a little bit more okay yes. to. Talk about and right. discuss and be open about changes our spiritual everything. realm. I, I think it changes the expectation when yeah. something bad does. Exactly. Well, and I think two things. One is, uh, and these are two big themes I use in everything in my life. One is awareness. Second one is intentionality. Yeah. We have to be aware that we are, in some level, there's a current, an energy. I would call it the spirit of God or the Holy Spirit running through. Yeah. Everything, yeah. all of us, the events we're in, the mountains, you know, whatever it might yeah. be, right? All of it. With that awareness, then is then a pivot into the intentional. So I want to engage in that intentionally. I want those experiences in my life. And you know, you start getting into so what exactly is that? And do I believe it or not believe it? I can tell you that the intentionality of experiencing it, whether you believe it or not, is a powerful experience that helps provide happiness, significance, hope, grace, all these things that we need just to function as good, viable human beings, essentially, right? Because the alternative is pretty stark and bland and not, not very vibrant. Yeah. So, yeah. So, all right, this has been a good conversation. Yeah. We don't have to carry it nope. on too long. I feel like that we got we got someplace interesting. What else is on your mind? What else? Yeah. Can do you, do you want to plug something? I don't know. You selling this church? What do you got? Sure. Yeah. Oh, exactly. Got? Well, you know, Grace Presbyterian Church. Big theme here is grace, right? Yeah. Like we want people to show up and be embraced. I could go on a whole riff of rhymes here. Be embraced in this space yeah. with not, grace. Yeah. Let's not do that, yeah. right? Yeah. I want people to come here and be able to come exactly as they are be accepted for who they are, know that there's a God who is here, who loves them, who forgives them, who wants more, something more for their life, all those sort of things. We're worshiping here, right here at the corner of Highlands Ranch Boulevard in Santa Fe, 10 a.m. every Sunday. You happen to be in town. Happen to be in town. You yeah. should you should show up. We do things like Theology on Tap. and Theology on Tap is beer and uh, Beer, beer and God. Bible. Beer and Bible, yeah. Beer, beer, right, exactly. It's, it's people getting together around a brew and talking about these sort of things that yeah. you and I have been talking about right now and having that comfortability to do it. We have things like community gardens out front because we have a massive amount of property here, yeah. right? And it's transcending that conservative and liberal and environmentalism and climate change and going, hey, let's actually care for real life land. Yeah. Like this isn't about policies and issues. It, it is, yeah. right? But right here, this can be tangible, right? Yeah. Like we're going to care for this land yeah. and this ground and how do we practice sustainable things here while growing things like maybe hops, you know, and, yeah. and making our own beer and, and doing all those sort of things. And 
Churches aren't known for that, which is unfortunate because monks around the world have been doing that sort of thing yeah. for centuries. Yeah, yeah. Monks invented beer. Right? Yes. Like they invented exactly. beer. Exactly. Right. You got so it. So, I mean, there you go. That's it's a good stuff. Good. That's something good. Justin Spurlock has been my guest today on the People People podcast. Thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, Justin, thanks for this today. Hey, thanks for letting me be a part of the People People. Well, that wraps up the interview with Justin. What a fun conversation. Justin Spurlock, a good friend of mine, senior pastor at Grace Presbyterian Church. I hope you're able to connect with him or people like him, people who bring out what matters deeply to you, whatever that is, by the way. I mean, whatever it is, whatever your belief system or unbelief system, there's stuff deep inside and there's mystery out there in the world that... I think we only really start to understand through conversations, through human connection. That's why I love this stuff. I love having this conversation. I love the idea of social excellence. So just as a reminder, the People People podcast is a production of the Social Excellence Project. You can learn all about us at social-excellence.com or peoplepeoplepodcast.com. Check us out at at socialexcellence.com. Excellence, social excellence. There's no E in the excellence in our handle, but you can find us on Instagram and Twitter. You can find us on Facebook as well. You can find us in a lot of places, but where I really hope to find you is in real life. I want to shake your hand, have a conversation, find out who you are, and really connect with you. Thanks for joining the People People podcast today. And as always, be social, be excellent.